Probably the oldest insurance company in the world is Lloyd's of London, 326 years old this year. And for decades and centuries, Lloyd's has insured lots of interesting things. A man who goes by the title of head waiter at Lloyd's is a guy called Bob D, who was at the big insurance conference in Sun City this week. Bob D, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. You've brought treasures from the Lloyd's archives, a great big ledger of a book. It's probably uh, it's bigger than two A3 pages together. What is this marvellous tome that you've got in front of us? It's called the Lloyd's Lost Book. It's one of hundreds that we have. The t- tradition goes back to 1774. There's one book for every year. Starts on the 1st of January each year, closes on the 31st, and then we start a brand new book. The beauty of these books is they record the loss of vessels through time. They don't have to be insured at Lloyd's. They don't have to be British. Any ship anywhere in the world that's reported into Lloyd's as a loss goes into the lost books. So they're an important and unique resource that's available to marine historians, marine authors, anybody wanting to find out what officially happened to a vessel. Uh, it's written beautifully in longhand with a quill pen. Um, you've chosen, and you leave the book open on a date in... Where would this be? 1991. 1991. This is August 1991. Of a ship called the Oceanus, which went down off South African coast. Like That's right, yes. Coffee Bay. Yes. Um, so when I come out on, to one of these uh, events, I always bring a lost book. So I always look for something pertaining to that particular country. So I enter into the computer... The ship sank off the coast of, and then in this particular case, I put South Africa, and Oceanus was the one that came up most. Uh, most. It tells us that it's a Greek motor passenger on yes. cruise from Durban, 600 passengers, sunk about 82 nautical miles north of East London, August the 4th, some passengers unaccounted for. Um, and there's a, a correlation between the Oceanus, of course, and a recent shipping disaster. The Costa Concordia. And that correlation is? Both captains left their ship. Now, that's not registered in the... That's not registered, is it, in, in the book? No, that doesn't really affect the loss itself. This yeah. is just a record, a record of a ship sank on a particular date in this particular year. They're not interested who insured it, what the premium was, or if the captain left the ship. Now, more treasures. If we walk around the table, um, accident insurance from Lords of London. These are proposal forms um, for a man called Brian Epstein, another guy called Richard Starkey. Um, anyone who's listening now is knowing where I'm going with this. Yes. Um, there's some other guys. There's a guy called, here called George, and there's a guy called Paul, and there's another guy called John Winston Lennon. These are insurance papers, original insurance proposals, for £200,000 each. Yeah. In 1970s, yeah, early, 1960s. 60s, early 60s money for the Beatles. That's quite a lot of money, isn't it? It is. This is basically EMI, the record label, protecting their investment. And so if any, any one of these four, the Fab Four, was to have an injury, which would stop them playing their drums or their guitars, then that's a loss. So they're insured at Lloyd's. But it was for the benefit of EMI, the record yes. company, not for the artists themselves. Yes, yes. Moving around the table also... Um, here you've got a picture of what's called the captain's room. Now, this is an old method of gathering intelligence, intelligence by yes. Lloyds of London. This is pre-internet, I guess. So this is adjacent to the main underwriting room, and it's a continuation of the history of the Lloyds coffee shops. Lloyds started in 1688 in a coffee shop, and not many people know it. They think that maybe Lloyds is named after a famous underwriter or broker. Not so. The owner of the coffee shop is called Edward Lloyd, and it's always been known as Lloyds ever since. Um, it depicts, around about 1813, a rough mob 
with a couple of dogs, <laughs> which would not be allowed in, into an eatery today. And this is just to show you uh, what, what Lloyd's looked like at the time. It's called the captain's room because Lloyd's is not just known for insurance, but also for intelligence gathering. And so captains would be invited into the captain's room as soon as they've just docked in port. They would be invited, come along, wined and dined, and the latest information would be gleaned from that captain and end up on the walls in the underwriting room as the latest information. It's how news travelled uh, 200 years ago. Here, can I touch the plastic sheet yes, that this yes, is in? This is a 200-year-old document. Yes, 1813. With the name Napoleon Bonaparte on it. Yeah. Why is Napoleon Bonaparte's name on... Uh, what looks like an old-fashioned betting form. Okay, so it's an insurance policy, really, but you're right, it is, it's a gamble. And what this chap here, Mr. Mr. Donington, he's paid his premium into Lloyd's, and he's gambling that Napoleon Bonaparte would be captured or killed between the 21st of May and the 21st of June, one month, in 1813. Anyone who knows their history will know Napoleon Bonaparte was actually captured in 1815. After the Battle of Waterloo. Waterloo, And so this policy then didn't pay out. Yes, that's right. And it also shows you uh, this predates insurable interest. And for somebody who doesn't know um, insurance terms, insurable interest means that you have to have a connection. So you could insure your wife. But you couldn't insure your wife, your, your neighbour's wife yes. next door. There's no connection. And this is a prime example of no connection whatsoever. It's absolutely fabulous. And we go for, uh, to the sale of a, of a ship called the Charming Jenny. Now, during the daytime, the, the Lloyd's Coffee Shop was used for underwriters to gather. Sure. In the evenings, they wanted to sweat the asset. Yes. So they did auctions. They did auctions. Explain to me very briefly why there would be a sale by the candle. What's the significance of it's, the candle? It's an old term, um, uh, completely different to an auction today. An auction today is led by the auctioneer. He opens the bids and he tries to encourage more bids to come along. In the candle, you'll notice that there's a pin about an inch way down. The beginning of the auction is when that candle is lit and it is now starting to burn towards that pin. The end of the auction is when that pin falls because of the melted wax and it's the last bid that's given before that pin falls. It starts off busy and frenetic, and as people drop out of the auction and less and less and less people take part, you're down to the last two. They're eyeing each other out. They're watching the candle. There's no point in increasing the bid when the pin is nowhere near going to drop. So it starts to warm up just before the pin drops, and when the final bid comes in and that pin falls... And that's his ship. And I suppose it's very quiet. When it's very falls. quiet, and that's where the saying comes from. <laughs> it's so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And the final item, I don't mean the to rush you. Um, a lovely lady, it's a portrait of a, a very handsome woman. Yes, um, <laughs> this is probably my favourite piece of the, of the whole collection here at, uh, in South Africa. It's actually um, a policy covering... Um, the it date, this is the original policy. It yes, dates back 17, to 1772. Two or uh, one? 70, it was taken out in 1771, finished okay. in 1772. And what it's, it's not the life of someone that they're covering. It's the sexuality of someone that they're covering, which is quite interesting going back to 1771. Yeah. This is the Chevalier de Haut. He was a minor aristocracy in France. He had the title, but not the money to go with it. So he ended up as... Um, part of the king's personal bodyguard. 
this didn't actually exist. They weren't protecting him physically. It was a, a euphemism for his private spy network. Um, he was tasked with the uh, job of going out to Russia and to make contact with the then Empress of Russia. Problem was, there was very many spies looking for people like him, men like him. And if he would have been caught, then he would have had a very short life. So he came up with the ingenious idea, why don't I dress up as a woman? Yeah. Nobody's looking for a woman. It was successful, so he did it again. And he did it again, and he got to like it. He ended this, cut a long story short, he ends up as the uh, ambassador in, uh, for France in England. He retired in England, and he made his living by um, teaching people to sword fence. But and he this, did it as a woman. As a woman, dressed as a woman by now, full time. And, and this policy, what was it for then? So this is a policy which, uh, it's a gamble. Again, no insurable interest. This is the Lloyds underwriters accepting this gamble that he is in factual, in actual fact a woman. So somebody was uh, knew he was a man knew he was and a bet man. against it. Well, he must have had doubts yes. because he, he paid out money so that when the Chevalier d'Or, when he finally died, there was a doctor's uh, examination and it was discovered that actually he was a man, but with certain female traits. Those traits are lost in history. We don't know what they are. Bob D is the head waiter. That's what they call him at Lloyd's of London, the world's oldest insurance company, with some of the treasures that have travelled to South Africa for a couple of days on display. Everything from Beatles insurance policies to lessons on how old-fashioned insurance worked and old-fashioned auctions too, and a little bit about the Oceanus as well. Bob D, thank you for joining nice us on The Money Show. Thank you very much.